0: He knew that they were trying to trap him. But he did it anyways. It was a Sabbath, and he had been teaching in a variety of villages around Capernaum. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on a Sabbath Sunday. But he knew that he was being watched. Not just by the people of the villages, but in this particular case, by some of the religious leaders, the, a group called the Pharisees. They were watching. Now the Sabbath is, it, that's, it's the day, it's supposed to be a day of rest. It's supposed to be a day that's set aside for the Lord. It's supposed to be um, something that helps us to build our trust in God. Where we let go of our self reliance, of believing like we need to make everything happen, and we remember that the whole world is the Lord's. And so we take a break from work. We release control. We increase trust. That's what the Sabbath is for. But as with many things that are good habits over time, uh, rules had developed rules that governed what you could do and what you couldn't do. And as he's there in the synagogue, even as the scroll is brought in and and, and the the readings of the day are done and they're celebrating the word of God, he's looking around the space and he realizes their hearts aren't in it. Especially those religious leaders. They're, They're not there to to worship. They're not even barely listening to what the word of God is. They're just watching and waiting for him to break a rule. So he knew he was being watched. He knew they were trying to trap him. But he did it anyway. He looks across the room and and he sees a man with a, a a shriveled hand, a shriveled right hand. A man that, because of this disability, his ability to work would be so compromised. I wonder if he thought in that moment, is anybody praying for this man? Is anybody offering help and relief to this man? No. They were just watching to see if he would break one of the rules, so he did. <laughs> asks the man with the shrivelled hand to come and stand up, and Jesus starts speaking to the religious leaders. He says, "Is it good on the Sabbath to do good or evil? What do you think? Is it lawful on the Sabbath? to save life or to kill? What do you think? He could see them glaring back at him. Where are you going with this? Where are you going with this, Jesus? And Jesus looks at them and his heart is disappointed because of their stubborn hearts. And he is Angry with them. And he tells the man, to stretch out your hand, and as the man stretch out, stretches out his hand, his hand is restored. And the whole room starts to go berserk, not because of the miracle, but because of the broken rule. And those same religious leaders the ones that are supposed to be the shepherds of of the community, were so angry that they leave and they start even plotting with their political rivals, the Herodians, to execute Jesus. Well, here's how it's put in Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Let's go to the source. Because there's a word in here, our word of the day, that um, I want us to pay attention to. Another time, Mark chapter three, verse one, Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked him, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? Seems like a simple question. To save life or to kill. But they remained silent. He looked around at them in, and there's our word of the day. In what? In anger. Oh, we're going to need to process that. He looked around at them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and it was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians, their political rivals, how they might kill Jesus. There's some ways to bring politicians together. <laughs> but our word of the day, our word of the day is anger. 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 Jesus got angry. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? Does that seem like, does that kind of bend your vision of Jesus a little bit? Jesus getting angry at things. Sometimes we think of that Jesus was, um, I mean, we, we, we think of him maybe in caricatures a little bit like a, like a talk show host, you know, or any sort of performer, honestly. Somebody that's gonna be sort of perpetually happy, just kind of chill with everything. <laughs> Do I remind you of any TV preachers? Which I I, I say completely tongue-in-cheek because now I am one, which is weird. And anybody in a public role feels the pressure to be happy because they want to make the people around them feel good. And yet, Jesus got angry. He got angry. He's a three-dimensional, real-life human being who happened to also be God, who got angry. Angry. So I want us to take a look at that and what it means, what anger is, because here's the first thing that it tells us. Here's the first thing. If Jesus got angry, that tells us something really important, and that's this that anger is not a sin. Anger is not a sin. And in church world, we sometimes have a hard time with that, don't we? Because the idea of getting angry at things. I can't get angry, I'm a Christian. You can't get angry, you're a pastor. Good Christians don't get angry, or do they? So it's important that we um, talk about this emotion um, and what its purpose is, what Jesus got angry at, and what that tells us about our Savior, what that tells us about our God, and then take a look at... So then how can we process anger? What do we do with all this stuff that we feel? So here's the first thing that is maybe helpful for us to know, if you're taking notes, is that anger, it's not a sin. It is, in fact, it's an emotional response to injustice. God designed us for anger. Anger. It's an emotional response to injustice. When bad things happen around us, when bad things happen to us, it's this thing, this emotional thing, is that gives us a little extra strength in order to engage it. That's why God designed it in us. That's why you have anger. It's an emotional response to injustice. But we also need to remember this, is that we, we're, we're fallen, broken human beings who we got, we got issues, Turn to the person on your left, turn to the person on your right. You see what I mean? we got issues. we got problems. We have challenges, which means that sometimes we, 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 that, that thing that God designed us for, which is anger, this response to injustice, we have a hard time defining injustice. And so sometimes our anger can be in response to the wrong things. We can get overly worked up over things that honestly are just minor inconveniences, or hurts, or now I'm going to use a stereotype that is not always true, but maybe you'll find it helpful. I think guys especially have a hard time differentiating between sadness and anger because we're told, some of you, some of us are raised like this. We're told the big boys don't cry which means that you're not supposed to be sad. So you feel all this stuff and you go, what are you feeling? Well, I can't be sad, but it's a negative emotion. Arr, it's a hard emotion. It's a big emotion. I must be angry. So we need to wrestle with the fact that even though anger is a gift, it's, it's an emotion, there's nothing right or wrong about it. I mean, even in Ephesians chapter four, Paul writes to the, to the church in Ephesus, in your anger, do not sin, which means anger isn't a sin. But it can, and you've seen it, I've seen it, it can lead to sinful behavior. Our anger can overtake us. Our anger can be directed at the wrong things or the wrong people. So it's good for us to understand anger. What got Jesus angry? What gets God angry? The same God that designed us And it gave us anger as one of the emotions, ultimately as a gift. So let's, let's take a look at some of these other passages that uh, helps us to understand what got Jesus angry. So we're gonna, we're gonna read a little bit further up in Mark. This is gonna be Mark chapter 10, verses 13 and 14. I'm actually gonna read from the New Living Translation just because it makes, it's just so plain spoken. I just love it. One day, some parents brought... Their children to Jesus so that he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering Jesus. Don't bother Jesus. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was, it's our, it's our word of the day, he was angry at who? His disciples. Why? Because they were keeping kids away from Jesus. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. So here's one of the first things we can notice as a pattern. Jesus got angry when human rules kept people from God. People of any age, people of any ability, people of any economic status. But Jesus got angry when human rules kept people From God. You want to make God angry? Let's talk about church. We don't don't really need to worry about children's ministry in church. After all, it's the adults that pay all the bills. So let's make certain that we make church good for the adults, and let's not worry about the kids. The kids should learn how to just be quiet and behave. We don't need to have programs for them. We don't need to make special... this, this is where, if I was cracking a joke right now, I was actually tempted to do that. And that's when you kind of dodge left and right, because the lightning <laughs> would strike. Because, see, Jesus cares about children. That's why we do children's ministry. That's why we do youth ministry. Is that, is that children, not only that they're the future, but they are treasured by God. They're treasured by God. But see, you know, even, even in the joke I was tempted to make, you know, like you, you make, you start dissing children's ministry and then you gotta dodge back and forth because, because the lightning's gonna strike. Is that also brings up an important misunderstanding about the anger of God. Is that when Jesus got angry or when God gets angry, is, is it, it's never, it's not rage and it's not revenge. When Jesus got angry, it was, in res- it was a response to injustice, a response to, to human rules or other situations that kept people from God. But one of the reasons why maybe we fear anger is that we've seen rage. Maybe you've, you actually you've probably seen this and some of you are still h- holding on to trauma from this, from people in your life, perhaps even trusted people in your life, where what was initially anger ended up morphing into something that is actually sinful, which is rage. And it came out, was out of control. If you've ever had to lock yourself in your bedroom because of the noise happening outside, you know what I'm talking about. when when anger gets expressed in ways where, where it's not directed at the injustice, it's just directed at whoever's in the pathway. Godly anger is not rage. Godly anger is not revenge. God is not fickle. God does not have a point in his life where he no longer can control himself. Now, That doesn't mean that God doesn't respond to evil. I mean, the Bible tells us that God is slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He's got a very long wick. But rest assured, he will act. And when he acts, when he acts, it's like a person wielding a knife. It's the difference between a, between a slasher and a surgeon. A dangerous person will just slice whatever's in their way. A surgeon cuts out the cancer or whatever the ailment is. And the knife is sharp either way. God gets angry. His anger is not rage. It's not uncontrolled. It's not revenge. It's not petty. It's a response to injustice. Let's take a look at another story where Jesus got angry. Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 17. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and he began driving out those who were buying and selling there. Why did he do that? Let's find out. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. An important thing for us to know at this point is that In the, in the second temple, in the Herodian temple, is the outer court of the temple, the, the temple courts, if you will, was referred to as the, as the court of the Gentiles. Now, in the first temple, the one, the one built under David, there was no Gentile courts. Anyone who wanted to come to worship could come into the temple, but, but by this point, they were starting to do some ethnic discrimination. Only Jews could come all the way into the temple. Although the I mean only the priests could go all the way into the holy of holies or the the high priest in the in the very center. But the Gentiles were only allowed in the outer court, the outermost court. And at this point, at this point, um, because of the because you the additional rules were made so that you can only give in the currency of the temple, and that you need, needed to get certain animals to sacrifice in the temple and rather than have that be in some other place, they put that in the court of the Gentiles. So it doesn't mean that Jesus was opposed to people selling stuff or trying to provide services for travelers. Those things are okay. Now, granted, they were probably money gouging, and that is not okay. But it seems that one of the core issues here is that for anybody that was not ethnically Jewish, if they wanted to come and worship in the temple... The only place they could do that is in a place where there's, there's I mean, where there's, there's, there's sheep, there's sheep dung, there's doves, there's it's noisy. It is chaotic. It, it's like, it's, if you can imagine having a church and maybe it's okay to have some, you know, you've got some tables out in the foyer. A lot of churches do that. We do that. Maybe you sell things in the foyer. That's okay, as long as you're not money gouging. But what if you only let people with a certain skin color all the way in. And everyone else had to stay out in the foyer where all there was were those tables. Jesus gets angry when human rules keep people from God. Jesus gets angry when human rules keep people from God. This is even linked to his compassion. Remember last week, if you were here, we talked about how Jesus saw the crowds and he saw them like sheep without a a shepherd, harassed and helpless. And so even in, the, in the, one of the passages we looked at last week, in Ezekiel 34, we're going to take a look at, at um, verses 1 through 3. The word of God came to me. So Ezekiel's writing, but he's, he's reflecting the heart of God. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds. You clothe yourselves with the wool and you slaughter the choice animals, but you don't take care of the flock. We see a pattern here, don't we, in the heart of God, in the compassion of God. And Jesus, by extension God, gets angry when people who are entrusted with spiritual care don't care. Why? Because it keeps people from God. Keeps people from God. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. The whole world. All people. Everywhere. And Jesus gets angry when human rules, merely human rules, keep people from God. Jesus gets angry. When people who are entrusted with spiritual care don't care for the people that they've been entrusted. So what do we do? What do we do with our anger? What do we do? Well, um, here's a starting point. And for some of you, this might be a review um, Others, this might be opening up a brand new category. (laughs) When we're angry, actually when we are, any emotion we feel is take your anger to the Lord. Bring all your emotions to the Lord. So we recognize that all of us are broken. All of us have got these jumble of things, all this stuff going on inside of us. And so we take it to the Lord. We see throughout the scriptures, these beautiful examples of people that took their strong emotions to the Lord. Like, we're going to take a look at, at Psalm, um, Psalm 5, just because we can start in the Psalms. About half of the Psalms are what's called imprecatory Psalms. They're angry Psalms. <clears throat> and one of the things you might notice in these, in these, uh, in these translations is that, uh, you know, when, when, we, when we read these, these passages... Um, the words in there are, they're, let's just be honest, they're kind of polite language. You could refer to it as library language. Polite language. In their original form, they, it is, let's, street language. It's maybe a little spicier even than the way it's recorded here. But let's just take a look, even in the library form, even with church words. Even with polite language. Just hear the heart of the psalmist. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Not a word of their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with malice. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they tell lies. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. In other words, God, get them, get them, get them, get them, get them, get them, get them. I've been mistreated. Get them. It's important to know that when we pray, and I hope you pray, you don't need to be filtered. You don't need to be polite. You just need to get it out before the Lord. Because a beautiful thing happens when we get it out before the Lord. Is he helps us to sort it out. You get it out so that he can sort it out. Your anger, get it out so he can sort it out. Your loneliness, get it out so he can sort it out. Your sense of injustice, get it out so he can sort it out because maybe your your sense of injustice is absolutely valid. There are things in this world we should be angry at and there's things in this world where we are overreacting to. Get it out so that he can sort it out. Get it out so so he can sort it out. You can talk to God literally about anything. I mean, you know he already knows the thoughts of your head, right? He knows what's going on in your heart already. You might as well talk to him about it. He knows all the thoughts in your head, all the stuff that goes on in your heart, and he still loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you, not in spite of all the garbage in you, but because of all the garbage in you, because we cannot save ourselves. So God himself came to be our savior. So get it out. Tell him what's on your heart. And he'll help you to make sense of it. It's the best first place to start, Maybe as you start to talk to him, honestly, you'll discover, oh, some of my anger is actually sadness. It's actually grief. I personally, maybe I'm wrong about this. I actually think that's one of the reasons why our cultures, we look around us, is it, is it seems increasingly angry. I don't think we're actually getting more angry. I think we're sad. I think we're upset because we've gone through some stuff that was fairly traumatic and we've lost people, when we've, and, and we we've, we've have a sense of loss of control. We like to think that we're in charge of the world when really we're not. We like to feel powerful, and the truth is we're vulnerable. We like to think we can plan for and take on any contingency, and the truth is we can't. Now, still be wise, still plan, save for the future, <laughs> build the storm cellar do what you what you can do but all of us all of us are more vulnerable than we like to admit and as we get it out the lord can help us to sort it out so here's what i'd like to invite you to do in the next few minutes is to well give god some of your anger here's a here's a a Prayer. I want to encourage you to pray in some form. Lord, I give you my anger. I give you my anger. Help me to get angry at the right things. Here's what I'd like to invite us to do. You can, you can follow along if you like. At home, you can follow along if you like. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just a preacher, so I realize you, you may not want to try stuff just because I'm a preacher. But here, here, here's, here's what I invite us to do, okay? Make a fist. Make a fist. And as we pray, and as you pray, Lord, I give you my anger. And you pray something along the lines of, Lord, help me to get angry at the right things. Think of some of the things that have made you angry, maybe some of the things that are frustrations in your life, even right now. As your hand is clenched, Start thinking, and maybe maybe you don't have anything that you're angry with today, and that's wonderful. What a great day! Write that down on the calendar and store this for later. That's wonderful, fantastic. You get a free pass today, and you can, you can be a greeter, by the way. That'd be amazing. Okay, um, but here's what I'd like you to do: is so you see so you're praying. So Lord, I want to give you my anger. Here's what I'm angry about. Here's what I'm thinking about. Is some is you you'll st- you may as the lord meets you there you may start to experience a few things you may start to feel your hand loosen because it might be that the holy spirit is just saying to you you know what i know you're angry about that i know you're upset about that it's time to start to let that go so you may feel your grip your grip start to loosen there may be something that is on your heart and, and the Holy Spirit will just confirm it. Like, yes, that is a, that's an injustice. We have, there's some real problems in this world and there are real problems in this world. And son, daughter, I've given you a passion for that because you and I, we're going to do something about that together. So it might be that it'll actually affirm something. Let's channel this. Let's start to make some things better. It might be that even as your hand is clenched and you're you're processing your anger before the Lord, He'll show you that your anger isn't actually anger. Maybe it is something else. And then you and He can talk about it together. Get it out. So that you and Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, you can start to sort it out. So, if you want to play along, make your fist. And let's bow our heads together. And let's talk to God about what we experience in life.